Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Miss Martian is coming to season two. A musical crossover is officially happening. And we shine a spotlight on Lena Luther. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode, we are joined by John M. Wilson of Giant Superman Podcast and the New 52 Adventures of Superman to shine a character spotlight on Lena Luthor. Welcome back to Supergirl Radio, John. Hello, and welcome to this musical <laughs> episode. Of, no, are we not doing that? I thought you said we were... Okay, never mind. I mean... Thank you should. for having me back on the show. This is great. We should. We are going to be talking about that. So uh, at some point, if you want to break out in a song, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> but first, let's get to... The news. We have so much news to talk about. Everything just <laughs> fell out of the sky today. Um, uh, thanks to the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour. According to Krypton site, here are some things that we learned. Actress Sharon Leal will be appearing in Supergirl Season 2 as Miss Martian. And uh, I don't know much about Sharon other than she was on Hellcats. I remember watching Hellcats a long time ago on the CW, but I honestly don't remember anything that happened on that show. So this will be my reintroduction to, to Sharon, but I'm very excited about Miss Martian. Um, what do you guys think about that? What are your thoughts, Carly? Well, I didn't know anything about her, but I saw Martian and I was like, ooh, another Martian. Uh, <laughs> that's exciting to me because I love John Jones. Um, so I read, I skimmed a little bit of her comics backstory and I don't know if this is the case in all of her incarnations, but one of them, it said she was a white Martian, Mm -hmm. which that's, that could be, if they decide to go with that, I guess, is that version, that could be an interesting dynamic between her and Martian Manhunter. Yes. Because the previous version, the previous white Martian that we have seen on the show, the one that impersonated, uh, Senator Crane was not very nice. Not nice. Actually, yeah. pretty pretty awful and destructive. <laughs> yeah. Um, John, what do you know about Miss Martian, and what do you think of this news? Um, I know nothing about this actress. I'm, I'm scrolling through her MDiv page and seeing nothing that I've seen. Um, but as far as Miss Martian, all of my knowledge of her comes from the Young Justice animated series. And she is a fantastic character in that. She is delightful. She's young and kind of spunky and kind of naive about the world. Um, and I, I kind of love her a lot in that show. Um, as far as her being a white Martian, that was in the way that was treated in the Young Justice cartoon is that was a secret about her for a while. But she is sort of a, a rare white Martian and that she doesn't want to be evil. 
So she's a nice person, and she shapeshifts to look like other Martians, hmm. um, or, or more specifically to look like she's akin to John John's. Um, but yeah, I haven't read much of her in the way of comics because I'm not a big follower of Martian Manhunter comics. But uh, but I would like to know more. And but Young Justice is on Netflix. You really got to see it. Well, it's so fitting that you said that you would like to know more because maybe we'll do a character spotlight on Miss Martian so that we <gasps> all can learn something. Um, so I, I think maybe we can put that on the books. So we'll, we'll have to do an episode on her in the future. A musical crossover episode with The Flash is now officially happening. <laughs> like I like ended that with a song. Uh, <laughs> that was very sing-songy. No. <laughs> not my real singing voice but anyway uh, tvline.com also reports that there this will be a two-part episode during the second half of the 2016-2017 tv season uh i think i read something about it being episode 13 or 14 oh okay that's, i saw in the in, in tweets yeah that came out uh greg berlanti says they've been talking about trying to write at least one original song per episode that they've toyed with their idea of villain and that they are going to be careful about how characters will break into song, hinting that some musical numbers could take place inside the characters' heads. This Supergirl Flash music, musical event is in addition to the four-way crossover airing late this fall across all four of the CW superhero TV shows. Yeah, and that, I think, is something that we have to emphasize, that it's just Supergirl and The Flash. It's not all for the shows. But this is awesome. We get multiple crossovers. We get this. Yeah, it's like that's the other half of the news, not just as a musical, but there's another crossover happening. <laughs> yeah, so they are really challenging themselves this year to juggle all this stuff. And now they're adding a musical element into it. Um, I did think it was interesting that Greg Berlanti used the word toy, um, you know, because that immediately made me think is... Toy Man going to be a part of this? Uh, but I, I don't know. That that could just be a, a word he chose. And that <laughs> had no s significance to it whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, I know a lot of people are excited about this. And we've, we've been getting questions on Twitter about if there's going to be music in our... Because we are going to do a crossover episode of the podcast between Supergirl Radio and the Flash podcast. That's not even a question. It's just all about logistics and planning now. So we'll, we'll have to do something big for that episode because I know everybody is super pumped about it. I just thought about the four-way crossover episode we're going to have to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the planning and scheduling is uh, going to anyway. be interesting um, for that one. But yeah, it's good to know like when in the season it will happen because then we can go ahead and plan everything that we need to do for that. So episode 13, 14. So yeah, that, that should be the second half of the, the season, I would think. For the, uh, for the four-way crossover, just like script the entire episode ahead of time and have everyone record their lines separately and put it all together into a into a file that's all i gotta do <laughs> that it won't sound stilted at all that yeah that would make it really easy just you know for for scheduling purposes and time constraints but uh yeah i don't know i don't know we'll we'll see we'll we'll cross that we'll cross that road when we get there um <laughs> but yeah uh john what do you think about this musical news Okay, I have not yet seen any of the various popular musical special episodes that have happened and stuff over the years. I think my earliest memory is one of Buffy. I, I don't know if they started the craze or if it was already a thing before that. But um, this will be my first 
you know, normal quote unquote TV show that's having a musical episode. And I'm excited. It's funny because I'm a bit behind on your show. So I've been listening to some, uh, the, uh, the summer episodes. And recently I was listening to the one we all talked about the music of DC, the, the CD that was coming out. And the guy you had on there, y'all were just talking about how great it would be to have all these Glee alums together in a musical crossover episode between um, all the different DC shows. And then 24 hours later, 48 hours later, it's it's news. So what, <laughs> I should have listened to the episode like a month ago. We would have known about this earlier. We could have broken the news then. Um, but yeah, uh, Keith, actually, I think we should have him come back since he, he was on that episode with us. Uh, the Barry Oakey episode. If you're listening and you didn't uh, check that out, we talked all about the Music Meister and the talents of the CW universe and who can sing really well. So definitely check that episode out. Um, and I know Morgan couldn't be with us, unfortunately, for the recording of this episode, but she did give us an official statement. She said, this news <laughs> is super. I am feeling Kara staring at an ice cream cone levels of joy. So Morgan's excited about it, too. We are all really pumped. Um, so I, I think it's just a matter of them trying to figure out how they can do it. I, I do hope we get an original song. I think that would be really neat. That could be something else <laughs> that could go on the Supergirl radio playlist, not to be selfish. Um, but I, I do think that that would be a great thing that I, I think a lot of people would be into. Although I know there were some people who were really hesitant about a musical crossover, about the necessity of it and how weird it would be. Um, but I think they're, they're, doing, they're doing the smart thing about thinking of how can we make that work into the episode and how can we come, come to it in terms of making the musical part of it make sense. So if they do it where like people are having fantasies or thinking in their heads, I think that, would, that, that could be a way to make it work. I was just going to say, somebody who kind of like poo-pooed the idea, I was going to be like, oh, Stephen Amell. <laughs> uh, well, and notice, you'll, notice, and you'll notice that's what I'm saying. You'll notice that it's only a Supergirl Flash musical episode. There, <laughs> there, is, there is no Arrow involvement whatsoever. <laughs> we can expect good things from Supergirl and the Flash because I think those those <laughs> those actors I think would be the most excited about it. Even if Steven's not excited about it, I think everybody involved with uh, Supergirl and the Flash would be pumped. And that also brings up the question: like, I guess they will have worked out how Supergirl maybe fits into the universe by episode 13 or 14. So uh, we could we could see the answer to how, if, if she is going to merge in with their Earth, then maybe we'll see that in the first half of the season. <laughs> Initially, I was going to say that John Barrowman would be disappointed, but then I remembered that he signed that deal to be a series regular oh, on all four of the shows. That's right. And he's a big musical guy, so I'm sure he's gonna he's going to find a way to... That's right. Some of them with those contracts could yep. be popping up. Mm-hmm. Barrowman, Katie Cassidy, I don't uh, know. Uh, uh, Wentworth Miller, I think, also oh, yeah. has that contract. So um, Yeah, I think know. he's recurring, but not regular. But, uh, yeah. Still How are y'all currently feeling about the idea of merging the universes? Do you want Supergirl to – do you want their worlds to be to collide, or would you like to keep them separate? It's a it's a good question because I for me I can see it both ways because I liked that she had her own thing, but I also think if they're going to be on the CW that they should just they should just all be part of the same universe and that way you know we can have these crossovers happen, you know pretty frequently without any kind of weird story elements that they have to play with. I think it would just make it easier for the network and all of the shows if they merged into one. 
in the comics, yeah. the Flash and the Silver Age would often hop worlds uh, with uh, Jay Garrick. They would often go back and forth to each other's worlds. So I kind of see it as being something that could happen easily. But um, especially since Flash is already universe hopping in his show. But I don't know. It feels weird to have supers on a world of Flash and the Arrow. Yeah, yeah, because they, they are so, especially Arrow is so, it tries to be grounded and, you know, street level, whereas Supergirl is, hey, I'm an alien with superpowers. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how that could work in terms of Arrow, but, you know, it would still be cool to see Green Arrow and Supergirl hanging out. Um, if they If they played it right, I think they could make that work. I just keep thinking about how Diggle's reaction is going to be to Supergirl. Like we, he, he still can't get over Barry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would be the most uh, interesting aspect of it is is seeing their reaction, everybody else's reactions, you know, other than Barry, because Barry's the only one who has met her so far. So I think that would be fun to see their reaction, and even the people from Supergirl to see the reaction of other people and other people doing super. Uh, super-powered things and super-heroic things would be fun, too. Well, to wrap up the news from the TCA Summer Press Tour, we know that there's a big reveal out there about who Chris Wood is playing, and news sites are covering it, and it even popped up on our Supergirl Radio Twitter feed, and so some people I know have seen it, but um, I I had a talk with uh, Carly and Morgan about this, so I I think this is how we're going to play this. Uh, They did reveal who was in the pod and and who Chris Wood is playing, but we're not going to talk about it until it airs because that is a big mystery. That was a cliffhanger mystery that kind of lasted most of this summer (laughs) until until they actually flat out said who it was. So since there are probably some listeners of this podcast who don't follow us on social media, who might not check the news, I kind of feel like as as a TV viewer that maybe some people might want to have that be a a mystery still for them. So uh, in in case you are wondering why we don't bring that up, it's because that's still kind of a mystery that maybe could be kept hidden. So I, I don't know, Carly, John, if, if, if you all saw, you know, actually saw the news of who it was, um, but it was a pretty big deal. So um, I, I'm kind of a firm believer in keeping mysteries mysteries. I like the idea as a listener of keeping it a mystery. And as a fellow podcaster, I've, I've talked about, you know, runs of books where somebody had not yet read the run until they got to my episodes of the podcast. And so I spoiled future events of future issues and they were upset with me. So, um, yeah, as both a listener and as a fellow podcaster, I can, I'm, I'm totally down with that. But let's keep that a mystery. I, I kind of even wish that I didn't know that Chris Wood was the, was the person playing that person because I don't know, it limits half of your characters. Yeah, it was just so strange that at San Diego Comic-Con, they said that he was the person in the pod. And so we were like, okay, well, there's still another half of that that's still a mystery. We still don't know who he's playing. And then they just flat out said it, which is so, it's so bizarre to me as a person who watches a lot of TV and who loves mysteries on TV shows for them to do that. Because I was thinking about, you know, I love Lost. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And I was just thinking about what it would have been like if ABC had done that first season cliffhanger of, you know, what's down in the hatch. And then a couple of months after it aired, they said, oh, well, this is what's in the hatch. Right. It's Desmond. And yeah, it's a and it's a it's a clock and it's, you know, 
through the resets. Yeah, and the numbers. It's like I mean, TV viewers. Major thing. Yeah, pe- people would be ticked. So I'm I'm a little upset about this. I kind of want to bring them to the side and be like, guys, we need to have a talk about how TV works. <laughs> This, this is not how TV works. <laughs> a cliffhanger should be a cliffhanger. Um, so I, I think since it's a, it's a story spoiler, I think we're, we're, we're not going to mention who it is. I kind of wish I didn't know. There was something else that happened. Uh, uh, another reveal, a spoiler um, happened because of set pictures and videos. Like that's getting out of control. So I, I, I'm finding it harder and harder to be a viewer of Supergirl <laughs> who cannot, you know, who can be spoiler-free. It's very difficult. Um, and I understand the set pictures and things. That, you know, that I can stay away from. Oh, yeah, there was a villain shown recently. I guess you haven't talked about that yet? No, and it's a huge villain. I, I, yeah. I happened upon it, and I was like, no, that is not something that should be spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish, even more than the pod reveal, I wish I didn't know that reveal. Yeah. But, yeah, and, and there's a there's a big thing about telling a story idea versus telling the story because if you give away your story ideas you can you you risk sacrificing emotional investment in your story because like following your lost example if you watched lost and they were staring down in the hatch and then i sat down and told you what that hatch was and exactly what it was and all the details and why it worked it would not be a fraction as cool as watching the events unfold of season two. Exactly. I mean, that's a very different experience. A story idea can sound great or sound terrible. And that has nothing to do with how great the story execution of it would be. Cause some really stupid ideas have been pulled off really, really well (laughs) in fiction And, and the reverse and the reverse is very true. Yeah, it's it's one thing I think to talk about casting, like we mentioned, uh, Miss Martian, and things like that, where it's like, okay, that's an official casting announcement. We know who the characters are going to be. Like, I'm fine with that because I don't know what Miss Martian is going to be doing. I don't know how she's going to come into it. I don't know what's what's going to be happening with her. So I'm I'm fine with that. That's still a mystery. But you know, taking an actual cliffhanger like that was the biggest part of the finale was that big pod cliffhanger, and everybody was speculating, and people were talking about it, and everybody wanted to have a guess about it, and now it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's that's uh, not a thing anymore. So um, I, I want to keep it a thing for people who are not aware of it. So uh, we'll 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 get to that when the episode airs and we can talk about it and i think we'll have a lot to say about it cuz i think it's very exciting but uh i i think I, you know as a as a fellow tv viewer if you don't know about it i i hope that you continue to not know about it so you can keep that surprise for yourself <laughs> yep i i mean i like i i would agree with you too cuz i would i would have been okay with it if they had just stopped at chris wood is playing the guy in the pod right you don't know who the guy is, but the problem is they just went and told you. And I mean, I, unfortunately I was ignorant for a little bit and then I accidentally spoiled myself, but I still don't know <laughs> how it connects. Cause you all know, I'm not like a huge, I don't have a ton of, of backstory knowledge to a lot of this stuff. So for me, it's still kind of like, okay, we'll see what happens. Like, but I'm not going to go and do research on it. Cause I'm trying to, I have theories, but I'm trying to just stay as naive as possible. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good way to go about it. I think, 
it is it is an individual basis on whether you like spoilers. Some people love spoilers. Some people want to know everything that's going to happen. Uh, I just happen to be one of those people where I'm like, I like a I like a good mystery uh, on my can, TV. Can I, can I tell a quick story about that? And, sure. And can, so um, several years ago, my wife was watching The West Wing. Uh, for the first time she was watching it through and at the end of I want to say the first season um, the president's daughter gets kidnapped and my wife is one who likes to know how a story is going to end if there's a high degree of suspense she wants to ride the roller coaster knowing how it's going to end not with you know so she often asks me if I'm familiar with the story and she and we're watching and she wants to know how it's going to end she'll ask me how it ends and I I, I don't like telling her because that's not <laughs> spoiling the story right yeah 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 so I've never seen the West Wing before so I'm sitting at the computer doing something and she's watching the West Wing she's like John look up what happens I want to know what's going to happen so I look it up because since the daughter's a hostage you think she's either going to get killed or they're going to save her so I looked it up and told my wife that the daughter is going to die. Oh, no. Which was exactly the opposite of how it actually played out. <gasps> oh. <laughs> so I set her up for the opposite way. Was she, which, was she, was she okay with that? Um, she was kind of mad. I mean, she's like, why did you do that? <laughs> you tricked but her. I had fun. I had that's, fun. I, I anti-spoiled her. That's funny. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people where I enjoy shows like How to Get Away with Murder because I don't know jack about like spoilers for that show and it always has something at the end of it where i'm like what in the world just happened so um i like that as a as a viewer and uh that experience with television i think is the great thing that separates it from a movie experience because a movie you go and you take it all in all at once and you're finished but with television you have at least a week if if you have a you know a weekly tv show that you can ponder over what happened and there's a level of anticipation there so um mm-hmm. that's that's what's exciting about not knowing things so uh, unfortunately it did get spoiled uh, officially which surprised me uh it, it wasn't just like a rumor that floated around it was actually thrown out there at a, a formal event <laughs> but uh what are you gonna do that's that's what happened on august 7th Stephen Amell tweeted a picture featuring the recognizable legs of some superheroes we know from the CW universe. From what we can make out, it looks like Supergirl has been hanging out with Green Arrow, The Flash, White Canary, and The Atom. Ooh. Yeah, this seems really early for them to be hanging out. Um, Carly, do you have any thoughts or speculations on why they've been getting together? Well, it's funny. I mean, we know the crossover's coming, but also, like, I wonder if they share uh, if they share studio or they ha- if they're very close to each other filming wise because like Stephen Amell also tweeted out a picture of him hanging out with Tyler Hecklin in the Superman suit. Right. I don't even know if this is a crossover thing yet. They might just all be hanging out between filming. Maybe they send like- Grant for coffee. And he's really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it could either be them just being close on set, or I wonder if they're doing some sort of promotional material, like like shooting some... Because they did a a thing... Oh, I forget the the title of it now. uh, It was a Superhero Fight Club video that they did uh, with Green Arrow, Black Canary, The Flash, Adam, um, and Arsenal was in there, and they all fought the villains in the big cage match. So I, I wonder if it's – I'm hoping it's something kind of like that too because that, that was a really cool video. So I, I don't know New if they – promo. Yeah, I don't know if that's what it will be, but that's kind of what think, went through my head. 
It could just be an out-of-order production. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that happens over the course of a season, production constraints and scheduling necessities that make things get shot out of order. Um, But it is still, like, really, really neat to see them all there. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Well, and according to Entertainment Weekly, we found out that Kevin Smith is set to direct an episode of Supergirl Season 2. And this is very exciting because he directed an episode of The Flash in Season 2. So, And I, and I thought he did a, a, a very good job. So I'm excited to see what he does with Supergirl. Anybody have any thoughts on that? I'm looking up a tweet. Oh, they said they also confirmed there's going to be several female directors on DCTV episodes this year. So that's exciting, too. That's very good, because half of humans are female. So it'd be cool if half of directors <laughs> are female. At right? least. I know. Um, I hope Alexi I, I, I Alexander like comes back. I don't like really follow all the stuff that he does. So knowing that he's on there means it's going to be a really cool episode. I don't know which Flash one he did, um, he but did it's cool one, that he's going to be doing it. Um, I forget the title, but it had the word dinosaur in it. Yeah, the very the very something dinosaur. I can't remember. And then he oh, did yeah. another one. He did the other one too with um with the with the with the Speed Force because he's directed two episodes. I thought. Oh, I just I just knew about the dinosaur one, but it, it, he could have done. I think more. he's done. I think he's done two Speed Force episodes, uh, but both of them had to do with. Was it just the one? I felt like he did two that had to deal with like Barry's mom. Well, Maybe. that that one that one the dinosaur one was when he had to um, kind of get his speed back, and he was like talking to all the other people who were the speed. Oh, force. that's right. Okay, so maybe um, it was just that one. <laughs> Listeners can confirm. I can't remember. Oh, why? Maybe I'm confusing it because of the one that he, the one that he cried over, was the one that Barry's mom. Oh, when yeah. Barry's like yeah, yeah. Barry's basically like Barry basically doesn't stop, uh, doesn't stop his mom from getting murdered or whatever. And yes. Like... <laughs> yeah. It was the season one finale. And yes. what, what's, I, I don't know if it's ironic, but what I think is funny about that is that the episode he directed was actually very emotional. So yeah. um, it was like, now you're <laughs> going to make me cry. Um, it was well, then act- it was funny. Yeah. But then it was funny because he tweeted uh, in the, in the response to the announcement that he's directing a Supergirl episode, you will believe a man can cry. <laughs> yeah. We're all, we're all, we're all going to be reaching for our tissues no matter what episode <laughs> he directs. Yeah. And just to confirm the episode he directed of the flash was called the runaway dinosaur. That's it. And yeah, he, it looks like he's going to be directing an episode of the flash in season three. So Kevin Smith is going to be doing a lot of, DC TV. And I do think it's awesome that women are going to be given more opportunities because I think like we see with Patty Jenkins directing Wonder Woman, there is a little, I mean, there is a different approach that a, a female might take with like another female actress and, you know, a female director with a female actress that, that is a different relationship. So I'd like to see, especially with Supergirl, I, I would love to see more female directors um, for that show. Yeah, the nice thing is that Berlanti, I think at the T- at the um, TCA panel today, talked about how it was important to them to hire diverse, you know, a diverse number of directors, which is important because I think a lot of shows, unfortunately, do not uh, always take that into consideration, and they hire people that they know in their circle, and so sometimes that's not always, you know, 
It does not to get to a world where hiring women is not considered diversity. Right. There you go. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, you know, and then you look at the breakdown, you'll look at a season breakdown and you look at shows like Game of Thrones. And I think last season or was it there was it there were at least several seasons of that show that they did not have any female directors. I totally believe it. But then you look at projects like Ava DuVernay, who just did her Queen Sugar miniseries, and she had all female directors. So if she can find women to direct every single episode of a miniseries that she's producing, it's possible. (laughs) I mean, if they're looking for first-time directors, I could volunteer. I I have a a minimal (laughs) uh, resume of directing experience, but I could try it. I think I could. That would be... And that would be amazing. I want to see an episode of Supergirl and it'll be like produced by Rebecca Johnson. And then you could be like, you could have your own little credit thing at the end. It's like Duck Milk Fraud. Duck Milk Fraud. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think I could do it. So if anybody wants to call me, let me know. But I think, you know, there is a difference in, in terms of, you know, directing. Directing is all about having a vision and knowing what you want to shoot and how you want to shoot it. And so I think, you know, there is something to be said about having a diversity of people who have different ideas about things. So uh, it's, it's good to see that they are actively trying to implement that. Yeah, I think they've been and also excited because it seems like we've also been getting a pretty diverse cast for season two with the with new additions. So that's really exciting. Yeah, you look at who they're hiring and who's being cast to play these roles. And, you know, it's not, it's, they're all very different and it's, you know, there's a lot of like women of color, you know, in season two. And so that's really exciting. The CW released a new description for Supergirl season two, which says, quote, in season two, Kara has left the safety of being Kat Grant's assistant in order to figure out what she really wants to do. While as Supergirl, she continues to work at the DEO, protecting the citizens of National City and searching for Jeremiah, Danvers, and Cadmus. Along the way, she will team up with Superman to battle new villains as she strives to balance her personal life with her life as a superhero. Yeah, so this is nothing totally new, um, but this is uh, an official look at season two and, and seeing Superman in there and Jeremiah Danvers in there and Cadmus so hopefully we'll get a lot. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, an exploration into Cadmus and seeing what's going on with Jeremiah Danvers. So I'm glad he got a mention in this description. Yeah, hopefully that means we'll get more Danvers family stuff. Yes. Because if we're going to look for Jeremiah, we might, you know, we might need a little more Helen Slater. Eliza needs to be there, I feel like. I think she needs to have some input on that. Oh, I'm just thinking of like a potential reunion scene. Oh yeah, that would be nice. Sorry, I like I (laughs) Uh, things I want to see. I I am happy to see that they're not abandoning the Jeremiah Danvers plotline. And yeah, uh, yeah, plot synopses are often just kind of like putting ideas together that we already knew. But it is neat. And Cadmus, I want to see more Cadmus. Yeah. Um, I would like to see. I know that uh, my fellow Giant Superman podcast. Uh, host Bob Fisher disagrees with me, but I would like to see Cadmus spawn a clone storyline, even a clone Superboy storyline. Ooh, or or a clone Supergirl storyline using that little actress who plays young Kara. Oh, Ooh. that could be interesting. That would be a good that way to use good. her. And that there is precedent for that with the Galatea stuff from Justice League Unlimited. So you CW, could- you have my number. Yep. See, we've got a writer. I'll volunteer to direct. 
Carly, you can, you can, you can be like Cara. You can pick whatever you want to do. Um, we, we're volunteering as staff for season two of Supergirl. <laughs> right. Well, and then we, you know, we know that they're going to be casting who, cause I think it was the episode the last time you were on, uh, John, that we talked about like who they were going to cast potentially for this director of Cadmus, which I guess as of now is still, they still haven't revealed who's going to play that character the doctor mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever her yeah, name is. The, yeah. uh, Couldn't they put that news out instead of revealing who was in the pod? Come on. Right. Let's get priorities <laughs> together. But more I, ladies. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I did think about the fact that it talks about how she's leaving, uh, breaking away from Cat Grant. I hadn't imagined in the season one finale, whenever she said, here's your office, decide whatever it is you want to do. That she would say, and I'm walking out of your life. I'm only going to see you like every other Thursday now. Yeah, <laughs> that's unfortunately kind of what's what's been dealt. But we'll 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 get to see some Cat Grant. She's not going away completely. But uh, it is interesting that it says Kara has left the safety of being Cat Grant's assistant. So uh, something she might encounter some turbulent times at Cat Co. <laughs> so that's interesting. Well, and for our last bit of news, Supergirl Season 1, we've been talking a lot about Season 2, but Season 1 is now out on Blu-ray and DVD. It contains all 20 episodes from the first season, as well as special features, deleted scenes, a gag reel, highlights from Comic-Con 2015, and featurettes about Martian Manhunter and Krypton. So if you have the availability and the the financial means to pick that up, um, that sounds like a good deal. Um, and it's interesting to note, also, we we did learn that Supergirl Season 2 would have 22 episodes. Um, se- season 1 had 20 episodes, so all of those are going to be on the Blu-ray and DVD, but now we're bumping it up to 22. So uh, that is an That's interesting exciting. development. Yep. I think and it's it, a more it, standard length. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting, too, because I know uh, when Morgan and Rebecca had talked in an episode, I think it was the San Diego Comic-Con episode about why they have more money now to shoot stuff. And I think it's probably partly because they're in Vancouver, um, where it costs less for production. So maybe that's also why they're getting more episodes. And speaking of money, I just, I'm putting it back out there. I'm going to, I'm going to throw back out there this bit about the spoilers. If you, if you have more money, get some security people. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, you know, f- form some sort of protection around your shooting environment so people, so spoilers don't get out. So if you have all that money, put it, put it to some good use. I mean, we need special effects and things like that, sure. But security people. Yeah, let's, let's it's make, hard. Let's people are sneaky. Happen. People try to, people try to <laughs> sneak stuff, though. You know what I mean? Like, people are, it's, and it's also hard when you're shooting on location, like out yeah. in the open, you know, and then people are like, oh, I'm taking a quick video. And you're like, ugh. <laughs> yeah well what are you gonna do just try to just try to like if you see anything just go la 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 and like turn off autoplay on twitter i'm having to unfollow so many tumblr blogs and yeah because you know, i'm, I'm not i'm glad. not, le- I'm not I, leaving twitter so no <laughs> i i <laughs> took a t- yeah i took a tumblr sabbatical last year when they brought the x-files back and i haven't gone back and i think i'm just gonna stay away because it's too dangerous Well, the big reason that we are doing this episode is to learn more about Lena Luthor. 
Um, Lex Luthor's sister, Lena, will be making an appearance in the second season of Supergirl. So that's why we asked John to come back and talk to us because he is a big Lena Luthor fan and knows a lot more about her than we do. So we wanted to have him on to teach us about her character. So, John, what about Lena Luthor's history from the comics, especially should we know? Okay, so I remember being on the show last time when we found out that Lena Luthor was going to be on the show, and uh, I, I, would, I heard myself on the episode later, and I was like, wow, I was pretty giddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so to prep for this episode, I went back and reread all of her stuff that I had read, and then went ahead and read her other Earth-1 you know, pre-crisis stories that I hadn't read. Turns out there aren't that many actual big storylines that she's involved in, but she... Um, she was first introduced in Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, 23, which was back in 1960, late 1960 that that came out. Um, the story was done by Jerry Siegel, who is, of course, the uh, co-creator of Superman, and he was still writing Superman comics at that time, or was again writing Superman comics at that time because he left DC for a while in the 50s. Um, Kurt Schaffenberger was the artist. He's a very big Lois Lane artist. Um and if you read any old Silver Age Lois Lane, then you've definitely probably seen some Kurt Schaffenberger art. But um, Lena had her first appearance in a, in, a, in a Lois Lane story, but then most of the rest of her Earth One appearances involve Supergirl to some degree. She's Lex's sister. Okay, so Lex started out growing up in Smallville. Uh, he and his family were there and he was nice and he and, and Clark were, were buds and he had a younger sister and he had a brain in a jar, like an alien brain in a jar. Oh, like you and, do. Yeah. Like you do. <laughs> um, and different depictions over to, cause there are lots of flashbacks to this origin story. Some show like, like a spherical jar and some show with like, like uh, prongs coming out of the sphere. In any case, Lena was playing too close to the, to the brain jar and got zapped by its jar brain powers. And after that, she acquired a certain level of ESP. Mm. So Lena Luthor does have ESP powers. Um, a little bit later, there's the incident where Superboy and Lex Luthor um, have a story where Lex Luthor loses all of his hair and blames it all on Superboy and gets mocked by the entire town of Smallville and, decide, and, and ends up going evil as a result and is shunned by his family. His parents do not want him to come home again, so they take Lena and drive off and abandon Lex to his ways. And they change their name, and somehow Lena forgets or... No, no, no. They tell Lena that her brother died in a car accident. And so she grows up never connecting the Lex Luthor that exists with any childhood memories. She only remembers her name being Thoral, which is what they changed their name to, which is, of course, an anagram of Luthor. Right. So um, she goes about life and does stuff and ends up moving to Midvale and, and meeting Kara. Um, they have a few adventures that involve the fact that she's psychic. She and Kara are kind of besties for a, for a while, um, she evidently can as a good look for Kara because they um, there is a storyline where there's this guy who's flirting with Supergirl. Uh, I think it's Dick Malvern, Supergirl's boyfriend, who's flirting with Supergirl. And then Lena is wearing a Supergirl costume at a party, and 
Dick Malvern thinks that she's Supergirl. So evidently she and Kara look a lot alike. Um, she gets replaced by a Kandorian girl for a while. There's there's some shenanigans there. Um, but really, to make a long story tolerable, she, she grows up. Um, she applies for the FBI. But they won't take her because they find out that her brother is an evil criminal scientist. Everybody knows about this except Lena. <laughs> Lois knows about it. Supergirl knows about it. The FBI knows about it. But no one tells Lena. And she ends up getting denied her FBI application. So instead of joining the FBI, she marries an FBI agent named Jeff Colby. And there's a little wedding panel in the comic. And it's super cute. Okay. But, you know, it's, All, right. It's, it's, All right. I have a question. Yeah. Does the FBI know that she has ESP? I don't know. Because she wants to use that on her application. Yeah. After they deny her. But, like, they never return to that story idea. So she, I guess... I guess either they never find out or it's just not good enough. It seems like the, it seems like the FBI would want somebody with that ability just throwing it out there. So. Yeah, it seems so like a good, a good job qualification yeah. to me. Um, she and the FBI agent have a son. She kind of leaves the Supergirl comics for a while from the mid-60s until the mid-70s. Uh, and then a few other writers bring her back for a couple of stories. She has a son, so Lex Luthor is an uncle. And there's a story where he sends his son Val some presents, and he has to hide from his uh, his sister, little boy, little Val's mom, the whole time, so that like she never finds out that Lex Luthor is giving presents to her kid, and and why is Lex Luthor doing this? So that's that's kind of fun. And um, the last big story that she's in, uh, her husband has died. She. Um, Move, move happens to move back to the same city that Kara's living in. By this time, Kara's grown and is starring in a soap opera. So um, I didn't even know she did that because I haven't gotten to the Bronze Age yet in my Superman reading. But turns out in the 70s, uh, Linda Danvers is a soap opera actress. That's amazing. And, I, I yeah. didn't know that either. And now I'm going to have to dig this up because you know, y'all know I'm a huge soap opera fan. I've been watching The Young and the Wrestles since I was 15. So this is very exciting news for me. So this is uh, this is the during the uh, the Superman family run of Supergirl stories, and yeah, she moves there. Um, she finds out that Lex is her brother. She gets really upset with uh, Supergirl for hiding it from her all this time. Uh, she briefly, with her psychic powers, they get temporarily enhanced, and she finds out that Kara is Supergirl. But then because comics, she doesn't get to remember at the end of the story. So the last time she appears, there's still some dangling enmity between her and Supergirl over the fact that she kept this from her all this time. Um, but of course, that does not carry over to her relationship with Linda because she has been made to forget that Linda is Supergirl. And she's kind of left there and no one ever came back to her. This was you know, late 70s, early 80s by this point, And that history was done away with in 1985. So... Um, it's just kind of left there, but she had, she had some really fun stories and her silver age stuff is, I think the most fun, but the other stories were not bad at all. Do you, do you have a favorite one out of all of those stories that you read? It might just be her first uh, appearances in the comics whenever she shows up and she's like, Oh, I'm psychic. And, and, and Supergirl finds out that she, you know, she's Lex Luthor's sister, but can't tell her. And, and it's all dramatic and, and hyper, hyper emotional. Um, but from Action Comics 295 until Action Comics 317, she's in quite a few Supergirl stories uh, for those couple of years. 
And I know she's also in the new 52, uh, but she's kind of in there briefly and doesn't really have that big of a role. I don't, I don't know of any other mainstream continuity versions of Lena. I don't know a whole lot about, but the, so the silver and bronze age one is fun. So would you say that the, it sounds like the Supergirl relationship to Lena was that they were friends for a little while and then the reveal that she was a Luther happened and she kind of felt betrayed. Um, so I, I think that's a, a really interesting dynamic that they have, that they were friends up until a point. Right. And it, it looks like in the stuff that's come out about the show that she, the fact that she's Luthor's sister is is in no way a secret that she's taking over and trying to change his company, if I remember reading that correctly. Yeah, because the whole, the backstory is that Lex is in jail. Um, how, we don't know. The assumption is that Clark put him there. Right. <laughs> probably. And she's trying to turn around the reputation of Luther Corp. And I'm assuming they have, either they're going to do some kind of thing where it's there's a division of it in national city or they're going to show it somewhere. Cause I, at one point I think there was, there were things, there were already photos of Katie McGrath like on set as in character. So of course there were, of course there were, <laughs> I, which, which I was excited about, but, um, so it sounds but, like it to be pretty yeah. different dynamic, but I wonder if she, so my main question is, are they going to do anything with her having psychic powers? It seems like that'd be really out of place in the show, but I kind of want it to happen anyway. I hope so. I think that would be because uh, uh, they I know Maxwell Lord had some some powers that they didn't really tap into on the show in season one. So I would like to see them have somebody who seems like they're normal, like Lena could just be this you know, businesswoman who goes about her day or whatever, but then she has this secret that she's hiding. I would love mm-hmm. to see that. I would love to see somebody with a different power set. So I, I, really, cool. hope, I really hope she has some abilities. It would be a really nice uh, contrast against Kara, who has the more physical powers yeah. versus Lena Luther having this mental ability. For sure. I have to change my answer to your question earlier, though. You asked me about my favorite Lena Luthor story, okay. and I was just browsing through the story titles, and I found the most fantastic one. Okay, so real quick, this is a one-issue story. It's Action Comics 313. Um, Lena Luthor has applied to the FBI, and they want to test her loyalties. Ooh. So they send her to interview Lex Luthor. And through her ESP, she realizes the truth, and it sends her into a crazy um, sort of like mindless haze and she goes off to the jungle to be a jungle princess in Africa. What? That is not where I thought that was going. Animals. What? (laughs) She accidentally gets her memories back and goes back to America to be part of a circus. But then by the end of it all, um, she gets her, her, her mind back together and has forgotten again that she is Lex's sister. So that is just the, the zaniest story ever. And that's, that's my favorite now. That, that sounds about right. That, that sounds Silver Age. Is that Silver yeah. Age? That sounds Maybe they like don't it. need to do that plot line in the Supergirl TV show. You know what? I think they should. I think they should. Make it happen. Her to Afri- she becomes Afri- Jungle Afri- Queen. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm definitely gonna have to look because that the way you started that story is not how it ended. Like, no, I, I, no, I, I know, right? I, I, the ending of that did not line up with with how it started. So that's that's what makes that really funny. Um, well, and in terms with her relationship with Lex, it sounds like she doesn't really have a lot to do with him. 
in in terms of the comics that that you've read they're sort of distant is that yeah seem the right? silver age and bronze age they're very distant um the new 52 is a little bit different uh she was sick whenever they were young and in lex luthor tried to cure her and did not succeed and she is paraplegic in a wheelchair oh. um and that is during that's the she's introduced into the Justice League comic and the issues after Forever Evil, where Lex Luthor uh, is on his working his way onto the Justice League. Um, Lena is a character who gets introduced then. Um, and I've been talking about actually, you know, plug a little. Uh, show here. I've been talking about that actually over on the New 52 Adventures of Superman and my Road to Rebirth episodes. We're actively covering those issues right now. So um, yeah, she doesn't have a whole lot of involvement there, but she is there. So she she represents Lex's um, fear of failure because a lot of times he'll do stuff uh, where he has very little chance of failing, and it's the only reason he'll do it because he's almost de- de- definitely going to succeed. And I think part of that is just that one time he failed, he never wants to fail again because his, now his sister is paying the cost. Oh wow, yeah, I I like when, and we'll talk about this later with her different incarnations. But it does seem like there, Lena does have an effect on Lex in a lot of her different versions. That there is there is something there that she either makes him a better person, or she um, has some sort of uh, you know she comes into play in in a way that makes Lex change his mind about something. So I think that's a really interesting dynamic because. There are some differences, I think, between Lex and Lena. Okay, so in terms of television, Lena Luther has been featured on live action TV. She appeared on Superboy in the two-part story called Know Thine Enemy. Young Lena was played by Jennifer Hawkins, and adult Lena was played by Denise Gossett. Have either of you watched this? Watched these two episodes? I didn't even know there was a Superboy TV show, and oh, I'm yes. feeling like a I'm feeling like a bad nerd right now. <laughs> yes, Superboy it, it was ran on for several for four seasons. years. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't know this. Did you know there was another Flash TV show? Uh, yes, I did know that. They were on at the same time. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't watch either of them because they were. I think they might have been slightly before my time. Uh, maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I'm dating myself, but uh, now I feel like I want to go back and watch it. John, have you watched these two episodes with little and um, grown Lena Luther? I have seen them. I know I saw them uh, a few years ago. I don't really remember the details, though. Yeah, I had never actually watched a full episode of Superboy. Like, I knew it existed, and I had seen a few clips. And it's weird because uh, I'm going to talk about The Young and the Restless again. Um, the chick who plays Lana on S- Superboy is actually on The Young and the Restless from time to time, and she plays a crazy woman who loves cats. <laughs> and so it's really hard for me to go back and watch Superboy now and to, to watch Lana because I'm like, no, you're crazy Patty Williams from The Young and the Restless who is in a mental institution. This is, this is not Lana Lang. Um, so it's, it's a little difficult for me to transition to that. But uh, I did watch No Nine Enemy, and it was it was actually you know some of some of those episodes could be a little cheesy, like some of those 
uh, early attempts at comic book properties on TV. They had a little cheese to them. But actually, this one was actually pretty fascinating because it dug into Lex's backstory and showed why his upbringing was so difficult and kind of why it makes him who he is. And so it shows Lex and little Lena and they grow up in this abusive home and Lex ends up killing their parents. And she, because she didn't like the way he, you know, who he had become, Lena stages her own death. She fakes her death and she gets, you know, gets away from Lex when he kind of becomes a criminal and a supervillain and all that. And so it's very, it's very interesting because Lex has this, you know, nuclear warhead that he's going to set off. And so he clones himself and clones little Lena because the clones will last after the bomb happens. So it's a very like intense episode. A lot is happening. And Lena is actually, when she comes in, um, she is what stops the bomb from going off because the clone version of Lex uh, terminates the bomb so it's actually very uh, good character wise even though it has cheese you know cheesy music and um, some of the camera work is really cheesy they have them a lot in these like film noir shots where shadows are you know covering their faces a little bit like it's it's cheap it's bona fide cheesy but that part of Lex and Lena's characters I thought was actually really good so um I thought that was a fascinating look into the Lena Lex relationship. The Lex in that was playing a lot off of what at the time was a pretty new interpretation of Lex with the post-crisis business tycoon concept. So the whole abusive household and everything that comes out of the the ideas that were spun for that version of Superman. There was a an autobiography of Lex Luthor is the name of the comic. And you see his childhood and you see young Lena there. And um, that's probably worth a read if 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 you're if this if this episode is pleasing, that's probably worth a read. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is something that we see in various incarnations of Lex that he has an abusive family, especially an abusive father. You see that on Smallville, uh, even Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Lex Luthor talked about that. So uh, so that seems to be some you know a thread that runs throughout the Luthor family from time to time is the, you know an abusive household and. In the next live-action incarnation on TV for Lena Luthor, in the eighth season of Smallville, a character named Tess Mercer, played by the awesome Cassidy Freeman, was introduced as a kind of a substitute for Lex Luthor when Michael Rosenbaum left the show at the end of season seven. Tess came in at the beginning of season eight. And in a season 10 episode titled Abandoned, it was revealed that Tess was actually Lutessa Lena Luthor, Lex Luthor's sister. Um, so I actually really loved Tess Mercer, um, on Smallville when, when Michael Rosenbaum left at the end of season seven, I was really worried because Lex was such a great part of the show. And then the very first episode that Cassidy Freeman showed up in, I was like, I am on board. She was fantastic. Um, so it it actually was sort of a, a, an organic thing for them to reveal that she was his sister and they played that very well, actually, I think, in the, the last couple of episodes of the uh, last season. So highly recommend it if you want to see some some Lena Luther on Smallville. You know, she comes into that show and you don't know what to make of her. And you're used to seeing Lex. And so you interpret her as just a female, you know, version of the character. But as she becomes very, you know, very slowly, but eventually very obviously a different person, she's not just Lex Luthor with red hair. Um, 
yeah, I was I was fascinated by the character. I loved uh, Freeman's portrayal of her, and I I'm I'm digging the idea. I hadn't really put it together that um, the uh, the change of identity, like that that idea carried over from the Silver Age to keep her away from Lex Luthor. They, they there's a name change or there's an identity change to keep them separate. Of course, in the original story. It was her parents, and she had no memory of it for I'm not sure what reason. But in later versions, you know, this was a this was a choice to to keep them separate, and it seems like they're abandoning that for the Supergirl version. But maybe there will be some other story element that comes along that sort of harkens back to this. It's interesting because they say like the character summary. They're kind of they're kind of implying that she's trying to differentiate herself from Lex and his reputation and you know all the bad stuff that he's done leading up to this point and she's trying to rehabilitate the name of Luther Corp oh yeah and all that so like I think to an extent she's trying to I mean they say I think at one point there was a character description that says she's trying to get out from under Lex's shadow so in some way she is kind of trying to distance herself from him because she's I think part of it is like as the new CEO stepping into that role, it's a good business decision because you don't want to be associated with somebody that was, you know, d- did a bunch of evil things. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not that's not good for stock options. Um, but also, you know, I think it's also probably partly because she doesn't want people to look at her and think that she's a bad person. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, we've we kind of speculated last time, last episode, that we don't know at this point if she's going to be a villain or not, but and she could have perfectly good intentions starting out. Who knows if it's going to be kind of a you know a downward slide for her character or not? But it, I mean, either way, it'll be interesting to see. I think I think there's shades of her, you know, of her other incarnations in this, but they're coming at it in a slightly different way. Yeah, I think that's a good point because in the Superboy and the Smallville version, it sounds sort of like in the comics as well with the Thoral, you know, her name gets changed to get away from Lex in some capacity, whether she's faking her death or she doesn't know it, or, um, you know, she has paternity issues, um, that require a name change, um, to, uh, not run from the name because she wants to distance herself from Lex. She's actually embracing the name and trying to clean it up a little bit. It sounds like so. so it's a metaphorical name change. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's trying to rebrand herself in, in a way that is a, a better look for the name and for the company. So the people and maybe she can finally join the FBI. Maybe now, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Especially if she had her ESP, that would be a good use for that. But yeah, I, re- I really love Tess on Smallville. She was kind of a mixture of Miss Tessmacher from the Superman uh, Christopher Reeve movies and Mercy Graves a little bit. Um, because she came in as kind of somebody who was associated with Lex Luthor, um, who kind of took over the business, took over the Luthor mansion, um, and kind of became the the Lex Luthor of the show. But uh, she she became her own character, and the reveal of Lena is really great, and uh, Cassidy did a great job with it, and their flashbacks are really great, too. Um, if you get to watch that abandoned episode, it's very good. Lena Luthor has also been referenced in animation. In an episode of Justice League Unlimited titled The Clash, one of the buildings destroyed in the fight between Superman and Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, is called the Lena Luthor Memorial Hospital. 
Yeah, I I didn't uh, realize this until I was looking up Lena uh, on on the interwebs, and it, the the shot goes by so quickly when you watch the episode because Shazam goes into the building and it's you know smashes the the sign, but it does very plainly say Lena Luther Hospital, so that's a cool little nod that they have in there. That's pretty neat. And in the Robot Chicken DC Comics Special 2, Villains in Paradise, Sarah Hyland provides the voice of Lena Luthor, who in this version is Lex's daughter instead of his sister. Lena interns at the Legion of Doom's coffee shop called Hall of Doom Coffee and is romantically involved with Superboy. And uh, I don't know if you guys have watched this, but it's very funny. I highly recommend the Robot Chicken DC Comics specials because they're all kinds of awesome. I have to watch those. I only really know the Star Wars. Uh, oh yeah, Robot Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some of the comics-based sketches, but I've never sat down and watched one of the specials. Yeah, this one is really funny because there is a love story between Lena and Superboy, and they do kind of like a summer loving from Greece number, and uh, <laughs> they they kind of sing about their their romance and uh, Starro, which is this villain in the comics who's like a big uh, back me up on this, John. He's like a big uh, what do you call starfish? this? A starfish. Yes, that makes a whole lot of sense now that I'm saying it out loud. Um, star- He's a giant alien starfish that takes over your mind with little baby starfishes that he puts on your face. Right. Okay. So, so that seems uh, logical. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, Starro kind of comes up when they're they're singing their little number, and he's very moved by their love story. And then Batman runs him through. Uh, you know, he he flies in on a ship that Green Lantern is carrying him on, and Starro Starro meets his end. Uh, so it's, it's very upsetting if you're a Star Starro fan. But uh, yeah, so that's Starro's mom. I mean, come or, on, or Starro's mom. He could have a family somewhere. Uh, so it's, it's actually a really funny little special and there's a whole thing with the coffee shop and like Lena makes friends with Gorilla Grodd and, and she sort of inspires him in terms of, you know, finding a love and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's weird that she is his daughter, Lex's daughter in this one. That's a little different, but, uh, it's, it's a totally fun episode. And I, I love that Lena gets a, you know, a big part in it. Now I'm curious. Could you tell from the story, was this Superboy a young Superman or was this young clone Superboy? Could it, you tell? It looks like the Superboy from the Death of Superman era. Okay. With the black jacket. Gotcha. Yeah, it looks like that Superboy. That makes sense with it being Lex Luthor's daughter. I was going to be really confused if young Superman was going out with Lex Luthor's daughter. That just seemed, the timeline seems weird on that. But I'm glad that Robot Chicken has their stuff in order. Oh, yeah. I would expect them to. Yeah, and well, and Jeff Johns uh, will sometimes work with them for Robot Chicken things. <laughs> so I, ha- I have a feeling he's probably a consultant uh, on on these specials. Um, but yeah, it's it's actually um, pointed out that, uh, su- you know, Superman and Lex actually have scenes together where they talk about Lena and Superboy um, having a thing for each other. So uh, it's it's all kinds of complicated, but a, a lot of fun. I wish them all the best. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what we know so far about Lena Luther, who will be played by Katie McGrath in Supergirl Season 2. Her first character description from TVLine.com described Lena as a character who will be in the 25 to 35-year-old range. She arrives in town to get out from under the shadow of her infamous brother. She is sexy and smart and determined to get what she wants. But what does she want? That remains unclear. Dun, dun, dun. 
<laughs> Very like vague initially when they first announced her. Yes. Just a, a, a new character who comes in and nobody knows what she's up to. But she's hot. <laughs> 25 to 35, you know you like it. <laughs> I just like, I'm sorry. I, sometimes I hate character descriptions like that, that are just like, she's sexy. I'm like, okay, we get that she's probably going to be reasonably attractive. It's a character on TV. Just on, saying. On the CW, like, very specifically. Right. <laughs> but it also, to be fair, it does say she's sexy and smart. So there is that. So. She's got, she know, she could. <laughs> Why does Please. the sexy part have to be first? I'm just saying. <laughs> Which probably right. means she's really attractive, but she wears glasses. Is what, is what that means. Oh, that's what it is. The nerd. She glasses. takes the glasses off and she becomes a super hottie. <laughs> like every single person who's ever featured on this show has been attractive to one degree or another. Yes. So right. saying that she's sexy and saying that she's on Supergirl is kind of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's pretty much a given. Um, but in her second character description that we got from TVLine.com, Lena is described again as beautiful powerful and enigmatic and quote arrives in national city on the heels of her brother lex's incarceration hoping for a fresh start lena has taken over as ceo of her family's billion dollar tech company luther corp which has been tarnished by lex's evil infamy her goal to rebrand the empire as a force for good lena wants to be seen as her own person separate from her brother car is drawn into lena's sphere I really, I practiced that one this time and must determine if she is a friend or foe, unquote. So um, that's a, a look at the Supergirl version of her. And I, I thought it was interesting as I went through all of the, the actual incarnations that we've seen on animation and in live action on television. There's no real like consistent look for Lena. I don't know, John, if that's a thing that's in the comics but Lena has had red hair. She's had blonde hair. Um, I thought that was interesting, just visually. She, there's no consistent way that she has to look. Like, we all have a, a, an image in our head of what Superman needs to look like or Supergirl needs to look like. But with Lena, they can kind of play around with it, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, originally she was a blonde and she was easily switch-outable with Supergirl. And, uh, as part of the the convenience of comics art, you can make people look alike if you want them to. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I don't really know of any particular look for her. Yeah, and so I, I assume Katie will have her, her dark hair. Um, so I don't know if she'll be um, looking like Supergirl. Although she could be wearing a wig or something. I don't know. I mean, I've seen photos, so I guess. Don't tell me, <laughs> I Carly. I can confirm one way or another. <laughs> Keep your spoilers to yourself. Um, don't tell not me. Not intentionally. It was not intentional, but I saw, <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess she's already on set, which was good because the news that she had been cast broke like the day before, which okay. I'm wondering now if they were like, uh, we should probably release this because I'm sure there's going to be photos of her. Yeah. Well, if you hadn't been snooping around to find out who's in the pod, you wouldn't have seen the photos. I mean, God. <laughs> yeah, that's. I didn't know who was in the pod. I still don't really know, but <laughs> I can't help it. People retweet things into my feed. That's very frustrating. I know. I know. Yeah, they do do that kind of thing where if they're going to show somebody in their superhero costume, they'll release the picture before they do that so that, you know, it will look better. You know, you'll see a good look at it first before they have their. Uh, stuff on the set so yeah that was very intentional that we found out about lena and oh 
she popped up <laughs> on set. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Lena Luther. She has a, a very prominent part in the comics with Supergirl, it sounds like, uh, John. But in terms of uh, live-action television and animation, she, she only has really uh, done a small portion. She doesn't have a whole lot of history in other media. But I think that's going to do it for her and, and what we know about her. But um, thanks for coming on and teaching us stuff about Lena's comic book history and some of those stories that we're, we're going to have to check out. Um, how can our listeners find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, every month at the end of the month, Bob Fisher, who's been on the show before, and I put out an episode of the giant Superman podcast where we look at stories about Superman from the silver age that were collected in those giant annuals that DC did back in the sixties. Um, every Wednesday night slash Thursday, I put out an episode of the new 52 adventures of Superman, uh, talking about the latest rebirth comics from that week. Um, every other week on that same feed, I put out uh, a Road to Rebirth episode looking at the different stories that led up to the um, the final days of Superman just before Rebirth. So we've been talking about Forever Rebel. We've been talking about Injustice League. And Lena Luthor is part of the conversation because that's the part of the New 52 history that she's featured in. I like that even though she hasn't been in a whole lot of stuff, she has shown up in a lot of the Lex Luthor interpretations over the years since she was initially established. So I, I like that about her. Um, and what else am I doing? Amazing Spider-Man classics is a show I did five years ago that I'm doing again. <laughs> so amazing Spider-Man.Libson.com. That show has been revived. If you like old Spider-Man comics, then you can go and hear me and Michael Bailey and Andy Leyland talking about old Spider-Man comics. And yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, you are doing a lot of things, and I'm going to have to listen to every single one of those episodes. That sounds awesome. Um, and somewhere I teach eighth grade math. I don't know how you do it. not on a podcast. I don't know how you do it. You should, you should do a math podcast. I would listen to that, too. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not great at math. I could learn something. Um, that's awesome. Well, if you want to email us, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely check out our playlist there. And we are also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, and the DC movies, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I actually have reemerged on Twitter, and um, I am <laughs> back to my old ranting ways. Uh, so if you want to follow me there, uh, you know, I've forewarned you. You have been warned. Um, you can also watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Hey, as long as you thread your tweet rants. That's one of my. If you're gonna do a multi-tweet rant, you gotta thread those tweets. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have That's it organized. Right. You gotta have it organized. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at my name Carly Lane. I am weekend editor over at the Mary Sue, which you can visit at themarysue.com. Mostly, I'm just 
occasionally working on writing and making the occasional bad pun, <laughs> which makes people tell me, how dare you? <laughs> I love bad puns. My students so, know that I make puns. So underrated. It's, it's a fine I'm also it's on a Twitter fine at John Reads Comics. Ah, yes. Follow John as well. Um, and you also have a website, johnreadscomics.com. Is that right? It, it exists. Okay. I haven't done a fraction of what I wanted to do with it yet. So it will be eventually an episode, a, a website that I will do stuff with. Okay. I appreciate your Twitter feed when you post like really odd comics. Uh, <laughs> Thank <laughs> like you. Really odd photos. You're like, what is this thing in this panel? <laughs> like, what is this? What is happening in this panel? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even really need context, but this is delightful. <laughs> Yes, keep keep finding the random, strange things, because I think everyone can get something out of that. Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Carly Lane. And like Black Adam says in Robot Chicken's DC Comics Special 2, Villains in Paradise, we think... Lena makes a lot of good points. <laughs>